0: Bite into today's episode because today we are having the delightful opportunity to talk with a fascinating person. Marlene Bassar is a well-known woman self-made entrepreneur in the Netherlands. Her first company in the food industry focused on delicacies and now she is taking the leadership in making the snacking world a healthier place by creating very very tasty products. And she is certainly a very inspiring person that we have met. So without further ado, I'm Xago van Kool. And
1: I am Andres Antondura.
0: And this is Tomorrow's Bites. Well, Marlene, we always start with a conversation in this podcast at the same place. It seems mainly that our younger life shapes us in a way in how we do things currently. My question to you is therefore, can you share the defining moments in your life that shape the person we are today?
2: Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. So that's a, that's a really nice question. I think, you know, I think the, the red line in my life is that I really like food. So almost everything in my life sort of evolves around food. I mean, I go uh, on holiday to places where there's good food. My husband is a chef. (laughs) Like, I mean, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is what am I having for lunch? So I think, you know, overall that's been, one of the well, the, the 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 I like the themes in my life. Um, I think it started when I was very young. My parents really loved food as well, and um, I was always brought up. I'm from the Netherlands, so you know in the Netherlands, uh, kids are generally or we used to be brought up with eating uh, potatoes and meat and vegetables. And I think I was always a bit weird because my parents gave like fed us the most weird dinner dishes, so you know when nobody was eating avocado, we would or but we would also eat random kind of fishes or random kind of dishes. so I think you know it was I was brought up with eating uh very uh diverse meals uh so that helped so yeah, so I think that that's sort of what started my interest in food, and yeah, what else what defined me too well. I started my working career at Albert Heijn, which is a really large retailer here in the Netherlands. And I think, you know, that's where I I really fell in love with retail and with like, you know, the game of building a brand in retail. I was responsible there for all the snacking assortment. And back then it was still called the healthy snacking assortment. And I think that that's at least what sparked my interest into healthy snacking and what is considered to be healthy here in the Netherlands in terms of snacks. So yeah, that definitely also defined like where I am today, being responsible for that part of the assortment and yeah, figuring out there was a need for change.
0: Well, and then to, to actually go on with this. So basically what mission are you
2: right now on? So at Bites We Love, our mission is to help people snack healthier and it basically comes from the idea that you know research shows that people especially young people nowadays experience a lot of stress and one of the ways to release of stress stress is eating and the thing is actually that to to do that people generally tend to sort of look for something that's very indulging but the problem is generally indulging is not very healthy so to relieve from to get a stress relief people Sort of try to find something that sort of deviates from their general strict rules. It can be either their rules around healthy eating or their rules about sustainability or whatnot. Um, so to, to, to release from the stress, people just choose something that's very tasty or indulging. And I think our, because our mission is to help people make a healthier choice. In our products, we combine taste and health. So we really try to make healthier option a bit more indulgent. So that's why we make, for example, healthier crisps or like healthier savory snacks. Yeah. So that's what we do.
1: Yeah. We see that the taste and health play a big role in your life as we look at how you started your companies and look into your personal beliefs. Is there any reason why is this so important to you? There is like why health and taste, some things are important to you. I don't know if it's only for snacking or for
2: everything. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, I think taste in whatever food product you make is always the most important thing. Because I mean, research shows that I think 98% or something, like a ridiculous number of food choices is based on taste. So, you know, I think the challenge in the sort of the better for you, healthier industry is that the first and foremost, you need to make sure all your products taste amazing. So I think if you want to have people make a healthier choice, you need to make sure it doesn't, you know, people don't have to give in too much on taste. So I think that for that reason, taste is the most important thing because it's my personal belief that it influences all eating decisions (laughs) so to say and then in terms of health like I really believe that if you want to treat yourself in a healthy in a good way you need to make sure it doesn't only give you sort of instant gratification but it actually is something that you know makes you feel good on the longer term so it doesn't give you you know high blood like makes your blood sugars raise too much rise too much or makes you feel like unhappy about yourself in the longer run so yeah, that's that's why I feel it it needs to be in balance, both of it.
0: You already gave us already, a, yeah, an introduction about your company, Bites We Love, and can you actually take us on the journey of the creation of Bites We Love?
2: Maybe if I take it back a little on to where I started working as a category manager. So I used to work in retail and I was responsible for the the snacking assortment, and there I saw that in the Netherlands traditionally snacks are often made. Uh, From a cookie base. So in the Netherlands, if you look at the healthy snacking aisle, it used to be Sultanas and Ligas, which mainly are like Kraft Heinz and Verkade uh, brands. And they're all cookie base. They all have a cookie base. And I remember thinking, like, why do we eat cookies as a snack and try to, you know, give it this healthy feel to it? Because it's not, right? It's a lot of sugar, not that much fiber, no protein, And then I used to travel quite a lot. And in the UK and in the US, I always noticed that there were so many more wholesome snacks made from nuts or beans or seeds and whatnot. So, I mean, and I feel really old saying this, but I mean, this is like 12 years back, right? So in that time, there weren't even you know, um, muesli bars on the Dutch supermarket. So it was a completely different space back then. And I remember thinking like, okay, what can I do to make this more healthier? So, and then fast forward a couple of years, I was speaking to one of my suppliers that used to supply me products when I was still working at Albert Heijn. This company is called Menko Orlando. And I sp- spoke to the, f- the founders, the owners of this business. And they said, you know, Marlene, if you ever want to start a business within this space, let us know. So, and I just never forgot. And then when the time came and I was ready to start a new business, I reached out to them and um yeah, sort of convinced them or got them interested in founding Bites We Love with me. So they have a really big, they, they, they have quite a, a really successful company in also snacking, but more like Asian snacking and nuts. And then we started Bites We Love together. And initially it was a brand that we, it was a direct to consumer business. Which looking back also, it was quite ahead of its time because back then you didn't have like, you know, WooCommerce or Shopify plugins for like subscriptions, you know. Back then we 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 completely built the whole website ourselves. We had to build like all the recurring payments and whatnot. And it was, yeah, looking back it was like quite uh entrepreneurial. <laughs> because I didn't have any background in tech. And I mean it was like yeah, I had to, I had to pay a lot of learning uh, money to, when I started it, but it was fun. So, uh, it's, so yeah, we started off as like an online subscription to snacks so people could subscribe to our website. They could say they would pay five euros a week. And for that five euros, they would get sent home for snacks, which is crazy. If you think about it. And um yeah, we had like over 60 flavors. People can could say like, oh, I don't want to eat sugar or I only want to have like savory snacks and whatnot. So we would send them, we built this whole algorithm and people would get uh, sent home their favorite snacks. So it was a completely different company. Very, very, yeah, it feels like I haven't told this story for a long time. So it feels like a very long time ago. And I think at the height, height of times, we, we send out about 2,000, 2,500 boxes every week to customers all around the Netherlands and Belgium. And then, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about how to scale and how to, you know, look at lifetime value, cost of acquisition. We were really sort of techy sort of <laughs> based and it was it was good times. And then um, at some point, our business started growing in food service as well. So we we started selling our snacks in a lot of event locations here in the Netherlands. They basically found us online. They reached out. They were looking for portion-packed snacks that were healthier. And then we grew in food service. And um, yeah, that was a completely different business. So I suddenly had a business that was, first of all, direct-to-consumer, but also business-to-business. And that brought some complexity as for the business-to-consumer or the direct-to-consumer, we really had to look at like, you know, scalability, efficiency, making packages that could fit through the mailbox, you know, have a lot of different snacks and everything. But our business-to-business our business part of the business required a lot of different things. It required building a brand. It required less products. It needed you know all the specifications on the packaging, etc. So it was a completely different business we were building. And I think at some point, I think I think three years into the business, we realized we had to make a decision: either to build the direct-to-consumer part and then go beyond the Netherlands, or build the business-to-business or the you know you know the offline part. And then we decided to go uh, for the business-to-business part because we really saw a big opportunity in retail. All this
1: comes before, starting actually with Bites We Love or...
2: No, so this is Bites We Love. So Bites We Love started as an online direct-to-consumer brand. So back then we didn't have the packages that we now have. And we we were only online for, I think, about two years. Mm. And then we went to, to food service. Mm-hmm. So in, if I say food service, I mean like business caterers, event locations, everywhere where you would buy small packs of snacks. And then, and then after that, we evolved into retail. So we went through quite a journey as a business.
1: Well, when you had to design how Bites Will Love would be when we talk about the product itself, I guess that you would have to face, actually, the main challenge that Bites Will of approaches, that is the health versus indulgence, no? So in, in, in this moment where you have to... Try to look for both of them, how did you ensure that you were, that you have something that was nutritious and delicious? How how was the process of selecting the ingredients or how did you develop, how was the process of developing Pikes Will Love
2: Bee itself? If you as a brand say you want to combine taste and health, you have one big problem and that is <laughs> taste, taste comes from fat, sugar and salt, right? I mean, as people, we are built like it's sort of drugs to your brain, right? I mean, if you look at like salted caramel chocolate, why do people love it? Because it's sort of a hits this bliss point of fat, sugars and salt, right? So so I think there's sort of a contradictory sort of effort into sort of trying to get health and taste together. and it's And I think that's the biggest struggle that not only we have, but everybody playing in this better for you space has this struggle. That's one. Then the second problem is what is health, right? Or what is healthier? Like, is it less calories? Is it more fiber, more protein? Like, I mean, I think this is something we really had to sort of learn to define over time when building the business. For us now, we basically say as a brand, we try to reduce fats, sugars, and salt, right? Because we believe that you know these these are things that are generally if you eat them in too high quantities is not necessarily good for your health then what we try to increase is protein and fiber and 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 use only natural ingredients to make a product as wholesome as possible so for us this means that as a ground sort of material we look at natural ingredients that are not too processed And we love things like beans, peas, you know, all kinds of legumes and like corn and and, uh, nuts and seeds. Right. So those are the this, this is generally the starting point. And then how do you get to flavor or to taste? It's basically trying to reduce the level of oil. So either by baking products or by frying them and then like, centrifuging them to get rid again of the oil. And, you, for, for example, get getting some replacements for sugar, like inulin, or by using ways to reduce salt levels, but to increase taste. And that's by, for example, making sure there's enough acidity in the product by using, well, you know, there's a lot of things you can use to, like, get an experience of umami in the flavor, but not using too soon. Yeah, so I mean, so that's basically how we do it. Like we use a really good raw material or a source to start from, an ingredient to start from and then try to find ways to increase taste without actually using salt and sugar. Mm,
0: really nice, really nice. I I really, well, we really like the mission, of course, that you have with Bites We Love. But well, we wondered, how do you educate and create awareness among the consumers about the importance of healthy snacking? Yeah,
2: that's a good That's actually a good question. I think as a brand, you know, as a brand, you think a lot about like who, who I do, who do I want to be as a brand? Right. I think in our case, we've always said, you know, we want to be sort of your friend that helps you make a healthier choice without being, you know, without pointing fingers or trying to be, um, sort of in a positive reinforcing way. So, um, So I think that's 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 one of the ways that we want to act as a brand. And that explicitly means we are not positioning ourselves as experts. I think we are an expert in the way we make our products, and we are really an expert in like what we do, but we don't tend to say like give educational talks about proteins or give educational talks about like why you should eat you know, more fiber, even though we would definitely be able to tell you a lot about it, but we, but we feel like, okay, we want to be a brand that you, that makes you feel happy. Like if you, if you see it, you know, our packaging looks very colorful. It looks very nice. You know, we're very transparent on what's in the product. It's clean label, you know, we've whatever we we tell you, obviously all everything about our products, but I think as a brand. We don't want to be the expert. So I wouldn't say that we would choose an educational role in terms of healthy eating. It would be more like we would inspire you to choose a healthier options or we would seduce you to do so. If we would ever educate, it would rather be by working with like dietists or with like, you know, we work a lot with online influencers that are more that are that really are the experts and share share stories about health. Um, And that would be more a way of sort of getting our products in the right hands and having other people sort of explain what makes our product healthier. Hello,
1: listeners. Hope you are enjoying this podcast episode. We believe that this conversation with Marlene is highly valuable and you still need to discover what are some of her best pieces of advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. If you like this podcast series, we invite you to click on that follow button on Spotify and to check our social media. In addition, we wanted to point out that, unfortunately, there were some technical complications during the recording of the podcast and the sound quality of Marlene gets a little worse. We are sorry for it, but we hope that you keep enjoying this episode. we also wanted to ask about the uh, challenges that you have faced uh, building Python Love and how are, how do you overcome them? Maybe there are a lot of challenges after all years, but maybe if you have something in your mind that really was an uh, important point.
2: Well, I mean, you know, guys, challenges in building a brand, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's smiling because I think it's, it's, sort of, it's part of building a brand. I mean, I, I don't think if you ever ask any founder, like, you know, if they ever, you know, everybody experiences challenges. But um, so I think for us, well, you know, we, we at the moment, so as I told you, we started online and we grew to food service and now about 60% of our business comes from retail and i think um i think you know that is a challenge on itself like being a smaller brand with limited marketing budgets trying to get a new product on shelf in retail is just super difficult like i mean there's only a few brands that manage to do it and that stay on shelf because sometimes like retailers are quite open to get new initiatives on shelf but generally they're not very good in giving you the time and the support to actually build it so i think you know we've been in dutch retail now for about four four years you know we have full distribution with several of the retailers we work with and it's been super tough like i mean we had to invest quite a lot of money and do enough promotions you know getting new products listed like trying to build rate of sales And that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really a challenge. But, you know, I'm I'm quite proud we managed to do it and managed to be quite successful at it. I think getting good people in as a company is difficult. I mean, I think now because our brand is a bit more well-known, we managed to get a really, really good team in. I'm really proud of the, the team that we have. But especially when you're just starting your business, it's really difficult to find really good people that are, you know, that you can afford to pay <laughs> and that are good enough to help you build it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's really hiring the right people is also quite difficult. But, you know, I've been, I, I had some practice and I'm, I'm finally managing to do that quite right at the moment. Yeah.
0: We actually, about your people and your team as well, we have a question. is like, what are the core values or guiding principles that you have actually installed in the culture of Bites Me Love?
2: Well, there's there's quite a few. So I'll, I'll mention them in sort of random order. So one of the things that we say is we always got your back. So, and we mean this as a value to both our customers, like, you know, when COVID hit and we had to sort of take back stock and help our customers out, we did, but also within our team, you know, we got your back. If there's something going on in your personal life that you are struggling with or you don't or you make a mistake, you know, we always... Uh, stick together and uh, take really well care of each other i think the second is uh openness so you know we 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 really find it important to be open and sincere with each other and we definitely you know we believe that that helps in building the business but also in learning from each other and you know being open about mistakes and sharing successes and everything another value is let's go we make a bit of a joke about it but it's like we just like to Walk the talk and get stuff going, I think one of the advantages of being a bit smaller than a really big a brand is that you know we actually are able to get stuff going, so you know our goal is to avoid too many meetings and just make <laughs> decisions and make stuff happen and I think the latter one now, if I speak about it, is something that we should definitely re- revisit <laughs> We're having too many meetings at the moment but uh, so uh, so these are a couple of values that we have in our in our team. I think some of the most important ones, yeah.
1: Well, and a last question before moving on to other topics out of Bites Will Love. I wanted to be sure that, or wanted to ask, uh, how do you prioritize sustainability and environmental responsibility within Bites Will Love for specific initiatives or practices or things that you're looking at?
2: So um, so as a brand, so we're, we're actually registered for B Corp. We're so we're quite far in the process of becoming becoming a b corp hopefully it will be you know approved in a couple of months so that's an exciting an exciting project to go through because it's sort of you know you have to really look at every part of your business and see and you know be really specific on like how you want to work as sort of a force for good um you know whenever i get asked this question i i think it's important to realize that as a brand, our main goal is really on the healthier part, right? So I think if you talk about impact, you know, our our goal is to make 10 million snacking moments healthier this year. So that's first and foremost, like reduce the sugar intake, increase the fiber and protein intake, right? But obviously, we want to do it in the most sustainable fashion. So. One of the things that we, for example, do is we fully compensate our CO2. I think since about four years, we uh, three, four years ago, we sort of calculated the entire scope, like the entire impact of our business from all tiers. And it was a very really, really interesting process because we also identified quite some areas in which we could work to reduce our CO2 emissions over the years. So we've been compensating, but we are now having some really big projects which i cannot tell too much about but really in terms of sourcing and and getting more local ingredients to reduce uh our print, especially in terms of transport so i think that's one of the things you know we don't really communicate about it i don't think i've ever shared towards consumers that we are compensating our co2 but it's something we just feel we need to do another area that we really take very serious is the packaging it's you know we've been We've really had quite a journey in terms of packaging because I think a couple of years ago, we actually used to have biodegradable bio-based foil. I think we were one of the first companies in the Netherlands to implement that. And we were I remember launching it and I was so super proud, like saying like, oh, we, you know, it's bio-based, biodegradable and everything. And then after having it for about one and a half year, we realized it was actually not the most sustainable option. And we had to switch back or we decided to switch back to a Monofoil, which is the packaging that we currently have. And the reason is that because we worked a lot in food service, like in the business catering and everything, and the foil looked so much like real plastic. Uh, people were disposing of it in the plastic uh, streams, which is not good for the plastic recycling. And it's a bit of a waste, right? So also for all the process that goes into making the biodegradable bio-based. And also in the Netherlands, especially, for example, in Amsterdam, there's no separate, you know, there's no way of disposing biodegradable kind of uh, paper so so i mean but just to illustrate that it's really been sort of at the core of our business whenever we develop products we always look at uh, new initiatives and everything and for example one of the things we're doing now is we're making um more like bulk package type of bags because we really believe that if you want to have impact in terms of packaging you should reduce packaging Um, these are you know so so i hope in 2024 we're hoping to go to sort of a paper-based foil for some of our packaging, because there's been quite some new initiatives on it. But yeah, it's a challenging process. So these are things that we look into in terms of sustainability and i mean we also you know we only use rainforest alliance certified cacao and the hazelnuts yeah i mean all our products are vegan i think that's that also has to do obviously with with impact and footprint which i always find a bit like if i say that i'm like yeah most nuts are vegan <laughs> how do you realize for us it's also for example we now launched a new crisp flavor which is made with vegan cheese and then you know we could have we could have done cheese flavor But we decided to go the extra mile and try to make it a vegan cheese flavor, which is super difficult. But yeah, so we take it quite seriously.
1: If we go more to the entrepreneurship part, uh, well, it's so nice uh, how you talk about your willingness to build your own brand and the first steps that you Took as an entrepreneur, the journey of creating a startup uh, I'm pursuing this further is a bit hectic. We wonder how did you find find the balance between your personal life and the demands of a running a successful company like Pites We Love, or how do you stay motivated in in your journey?
2: I think it's an interesting question because I don't think I ever managed to find a really good balance between personal and work life, to be very honest, because I think for me, I think it helped trying to not see it as two separate ways, two separate things, you know, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's the, that's the most honest question. Like, I mean, there's for me, especially in the early days when starting my business, I think there were no separate parts. Like it was always, it was always there. Like on one end, being an entrepreneur gives you quite some the illusion of flexibility because you're able to make your own decisions but in reality people don't realize that being an entrepreneur actually gives you a lot less freedom like people sort of always think you know if you're an entrepreneur you'll be so free and i'm 100 percent sure that there's quite some entrepreneurs that will be able to actually do that or are really free but i don't think i'm one of them i think you know it cost quite a it, it cost me quite a lot quite a lot like in on all aspects of life being an entrepreneur right i mean uh, it's been a, a super fun journey because i was doing i am doing something that i really enjoy and that's really close to what i like doing as a person like be building a brand building a team like impacting people's food choices doing something that's scalable like these are all things that i really enjoy doing like making something out of nothing but then again, I mean, it's the, the, the cost, the, the other side of it is that, I mean, you know, it's always on your mind. Like whenever you go to the supermarket, you go check out the aisle where your products are. If you're on holiday, you'll check out local snacking brands. If like somebody from your team is sick or, you know, if something goes wrong or a deal falls through, you know, it'll mess up your entire weekend. Right. So, I mean, yeah, so that's the other side of it it costs a lot of time it costs a lot of free time it you know when if you're an entrepreneur you're building your business and you know especially for me it's like if you uh yeah if it's evening and i have some time you know i'll probably go get some new inspiration for snacks rather than read a book and it sounds a bit sad <laughs> but it's uh, but it is the reality then again like there has been a quite a pivotal change in my life and that was when i had my kids like i have two small kids one of them is 5 and the other is uh six almost seven i think you know when i when i was pregnant and when i it's you know priorities do change quite significantly so now you know i try to not work in the weekends and i i you know there's an easy deadline at my working day because i have to pick up my kids from school so uh yeah i mean that helped me stay sane so maybe i don't know how old you are but Considering kids would help you balance life, no? <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke.
0: How <laughs> <laughs> are we starting this podcast we are not thinking about? To?
1: <laughs> to be fair, I think that this is a really necessary answer. We are live, I see it in the social media, uh, a lot of people, young entrepreneurs that in some way are always trying to sell this, like the success path to all the people. Like yeah, selling like the entrepreneur life is going to be just... You take an idea, you make it a business, uh, it will cost you some investment and then it's easy, but they never talk about all the other things
0: that you have to do, no? yeah. During, uh,
2: like what you have to sacrifice. Your
0: agenda is always full in the end. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, there, I think there's been there are certain professions that have been glorified a bit in the last recent years, right? I think entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is one of them, being a chef, it might be the other one. But I think, you know, no, I think I'm quite open always about like, it's, it's definitely a lot of fun, but it's, it's also super uh, tough and also mentally quite tough, right? I mean, um, especially in the early days, like, I mean, I think one of the lessons I had when I founded my first company was that I would never want to do it alone again. So, you know, I'm quite lucky to have a co-founder or I have my investors who are amazing and, you know, they, they, they have built such a successful business themselves. So they are always my sort of, you know we have a really they're yeah they're amazing partners so that helps but i also have a, a, a co-founder in the business lisbeth and she you know she, she we're very complementary on in terms of our skills i guess but we share really the same vision on how to build a brand and i think that has definitely helped like having somebody on board with whom you can share struggles or like successes or failures i mean you know building something new brings a lot of uncertainty like is it good enough Will you know will it grow fast enough Will should we launch this new product like we have you know issues you have with your team or legal battles i mean there's so many so much stuff that comes your way if you're an entrepreneur and it's really nice to have somebody next to you who you're able to share that with to stay mentally sane.
0: I mean, as a woman entrepreneur, we can also mean that you can encounter any specific challenges or biases in the food industry or snack industry, or like, did you have, and how did you overcome them?
2: I always find that a little bit of a difficult question. I think in, in my case, I, don't, I didn't really experience, I don't think at least that, I, but I might be too naive to, to have noticed it but i don't think i've experienced too much sort of issues from being a female entrepreneur to be very honest But i think the problem is actually bigger when you're a mom and you're an entrepreneur yeah. like if or you're a working mom maybe more general i think that has caused me more bias like that 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 has been difficult like rem- like when i had my kids people were just like it's it's super difficult to um you get so many expectations from you know if you're if you're working full like i'm working i used to be working full time and i mean people gave me so much shit about that mm-hmm. saying like why you know how do, are you gonna work part time like i mean teachers from school telling me like oh we never see you at school right so and then the other way around, you're at work, and it's super difficult to sort of, you know, if you have no boundaries in terms of like your working hours, it's super difficult to combine it with kids as well. And I mean, this might not be specific for, for mo- mothers, it might be the same for dads. But I think in the Netherlands, there's definitely be, been, you know, there's this expectation that as a mom, you work less. Um, and even recent research shows that it's ridiculous numbers. I don't know. Like it was two third or something of people would ex- like say that they would expect women to start working less when they have kids, yeah. and I think you know that I I think that is maybe a big thing that uh, is a challenge being a mom. What
1: What is the advice that you would give to uh, a young entrepreneur, Indian? Uh, as we mentioned, uh, we come from a masters where there are a lot of inspiring. Uh, Uh, new entrepreneurs, actually a a lot of aspiring uh, women, young women entrepreneurs, but overall for the fact that they're young, uh, what is the advice that you would give them?
2: Oh, I mean, I think I would have a couple of a couple things that I would say. I mean, I think, first of all, find yourself a really good partner, first of all, because it's so much better to have somebody next to you on the journey that you can share your struggles with. And celebrate your successes with but also because if you're alone and you're doing something alone you're always right which you are definitely not right you need somebody next to you who tells you you are not right and you are wrong and you have to think about it again or revisit any of the you know decisions you're about to make so find somebody who shares your vision and values in terms of what you want to build but has a completely different mindset or like a skill different skill set. And also maybe a different way of reasoning. So you're able to have somebody next to you countering your great ideas. So that would be one. And I guess the second one is to, you know, if you, if you, if you launch a product, especially in the food business, I mean, try to zoom out a bit and think about like the various routes to market that your pro- product could work because, you know, It's really important to even if you're not going to start at various routes to market. So maybe if you have this great idea and you want to start it direct to consumer, think about like what would happen if you would launch it, for example, also in retail or, you know, in through a wholesaler or whatnot, because it's important to think through the impact this has on your value chain, on your packaging, on your branding, etc. So, you know, keep a broad view on how you want to build your product or your brand because even if it's, it feels far away you need to take it all into consideration when setting up your product or your vision.
0: It's really nice like actually we want to go like to see indeed maybe to go to the future as well with our podcast and lead as well we are actually wondering like looking ahead with bites we love what is your vision of the yeah well, the future with bites we love and what goals or milestones do you hope to achieve in the coming years?
2: So we just launched in uh, the crisps, right? So, so we, we really, this year, we entered the crisp category. So I think I, I really see a lot of opportunities there, but I also realize it's super difficult with all the extreme competitiveness that's in the market of really big brands with a lot of money. So I think if I look ahead, I would really love would we love to be, or price we love to be like a household brand in terms of healthy snacking. And in the broadest sense of the word, so I would love to expand to new categories, like you know the crisps that we're doing now, but maybe also like I don't know, it could, more sweet categories like cookies or like uh, you know what, yeah, what all those segments that you actually now have an unhealthy snack and you're looking for a healthier alternatives, um, and then in terms of you know. And looking really far ahead, I can definitely see, like now we're really focused on taking out stuff like fat sugars and salt. But I can imagine a bit further down when the public is more ready for it, looking at how to be more functional also in terms of perhaps adding, you know, more functional ingredients or adaptogens or vitamins, you know, to products. So people, But this, this does sound a bit more further down the road. In a more shorter term, I really want to enter uh, some foreign markets we're really looking at germany now the uk so expand our presence in more uh, geographic areas so well
1: now we are moving to our closing part the conversation has been really nice marlene uh, i think we could be in another hour and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will be delighted about it but yeah we have a series of uh, questions that we try to establish as our end of the product uh, podcast First, I will go with one question of the public. There will be some people that left the questions in our Instagram, and we decided to to choose one. Question comes from a user called Ariant. She says, what, inspired them, what inspires you to set up the brand? I think that that's been already answered during the, yeah. the podcast, but then she goes with, also, I read that you find women equality important. How do you make sure that is the case within the production of uh, Bites We Love?
2: it's a really good question and i'm i'm you know the honest answer is that in terms of production so as i told you like our you know i founded the business with the company that produces our bites right mm-hmm. so in that sense that's just really close like we you know we're in the factory really regularly i know the founders really well so mm-hmm. i don't have any concerns in that area i think further down the value chain it is more difficult like you know we we work with a lot of like there's a lot of programs that look at like sustainability in the chain etc but i don't think there's anything specific on like female equality so i think it's a good question and the honest answer is that i cannot really guarantee it but it's definitely something that is interesting looking into so thank her for the question
0: and there's also like always one other thing that comes back in our podcast besides our question from the guest, and that is the question what is your favorite food product and as you as a husband that is a chef we can can imagine it could also be a dish wow what is my you
2: should you should have prepped me guys for this question (laughs) okay so so i'll tell you i'll tell you I'll, i'll tell you like um i think one of my, like, I really like a lot of flavor in my food. And um, I think one of the secret ingredients to adding flavor to every dish is fish sauce. (laughs) And a good one. So instead of using salt, I always have either fish sauce on my table or machi. And Mm -hmm. machi, I don't know if it's an international word, but it's really old school. But, um, so yeah, I mean, so for reducing salt, I think, you know, this is not the best thing to use, but, uh, yeah, it might be a weird answer, but I think, uh, you know, it adds flavor to anything. And
0: actually as a wrap up, what is one key message that you would like to, to give our listeners or take away from this conversation or like that we didn't actually, yeah, discuss.
2: Well, two things. I mean, go find our products. Obviously, I mean, uh, you can find them at you can find them at several supermarkets. But also, feel free to reach out to us or walk by our office. We're, you know, we have a really cool team. If you're in the Netherlands, definitely stop by and come say hi and get some free snacks. I think the second is like if you're if you're in, you know if you're inspired to start your own business, you know, be realistic. I mean, there's so many really success stories, but you know, I've been in the food community for quite a long time and believe me like you know it's a lot of fun but it's also a lot of work and it always takes longer than you think even the really successful brands you see around you know they didn't come over apart from a, a, a few ones um so yeah if you start on a journey just make really sure it's about a product or about a service that really drives you and is really aligned with your personal values and with your goals because you need to have that to you know enjoy the ride so to say so that would be my advice if you start something really feel that's something you want to go for for a longer time
1: thank you marlene for the the conversation for all that you share with us uh for sure we tell our uh, listeners to go to the supermarket of and buy course. some vegetable love uh, i am a i am a consumer of it so i do not regret uh, of uh recommending anybody of doing it and also we recommend the followers uh, the the listeners to f- click the follow button as well in uh of course in uh in the podcast in spotify and uh, Thank you again, Marlene, and wish you a lot of success with Bates We Love.
0: Yes, your dedication to creating a healthier and tastier snacking world uh, with options through Bates We Love is truly inspiring.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And good luck with the podcast. And uh, I, I'll definitely click follow. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to listen to the next ones.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Okay,
2: guys. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye.